Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yoganmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Yoga in My School podcast. My name is Donna Freeman. I am the host of the podcast and founder of Yoga in My School. And I just am so pleased today because I get to connect with a longtime friend who is, as I was telling her just before we connected and went live uh, for the recording, that she's been on my list for at least two years to connect with. And because she's just amazing. She comes with such a wealth of information. Um, I think I think we met back in her holy yoga days and when she was, and then she got into next generation yoga. And I don't know, it might've even been before that. Like we've known each other for a long time and she has been truly just a gem in my life. And I know she will be in yours, but today we're chatting with Sarah Henderson and we're talking about yoga for individuals with intellectual and developmental delays and disabilities which is such a great topic because there is so little information on this topic. So like if you're thinking of working with, you know, teens and adults that fall into this category, you will want to listen today because Sarah is your girl. She has, um, she's invested emotionally, um, has a long history with her family. We're going to get into all of that. And then like, from a professional point of view, you cannot get better than Sarah Henderson on this topic. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. So can you tell our listeners, because I know you, (laughs) but (laughs) can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you came to be doing the work that you're currently yeah, sure. So my name is Sarah Henderson. My pronouns are she and her, and I I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was born in Colorado. I'm the oldest of three children, and my little sister has uh, Down syndrome, so she was born when I was four. And that sort of set the trajectory for my life in so many ways. Um, I, I grew up watching my sister have... Uh, speech therapy and occupational therapy and physical therapy in our home and um, she started attending a school for kids with disabilities when she was like one and a half and so like it it just became part of of my life in in a very um, everyday kind of way Um, both of my parents ended up working in disability services so then it was even even more so And then when I graduated from college, I too ended up going into disability services. And I I worked in a a variety of different places in nonprofit organizations that were supporting um, people with disabilities and families. And 
I landed um, one job at a, an inclusive preschool. So like I always loved loved kids, but I, I ended up getting a job at this inclusive preschool. It was half kids with disabilities and half kids without. And I got to run a family support center where there were um, there were resources and things that, you know, like we had puppets and books and, and you know, developmentally appropriate toys. And kids could come in there with their parents and connect. And I got to run a, a support group for uh, parents of kids who had different kind of diagnoses going on. And it was really, really cool. From from there, I ended up working for our for our local early intervention organization, which helps children zero to three um, who are having either developmental delays or maybe are born with something like Down syndrome or um, are premature. And that was that was just a really amazing job to be able to walk alongside families as they were going through this and being able to help them see, um, you know, also, you know, like the reality of what's going on with their child, but also the potential and the possibility. And um, because I had so much experience uh, with my sister, I often got paired with families who had uh, kids with Down syndrome. And and so I um, then I started having kids of my own. And I moved to, I, I moved to being a stay-at-home mom. It was just, it was kind of a lot to be around babies all day and babies all night. And, um, and it was then that I went to yoga school and um, thinking that I was just having this radical shift. And um, our mutual friend, Rachel Glowacki, was one of my trainers. And she, we got to know each other a little bit and she was like, hey, do you want to learn about kids yoga? And I was like, well, sure. Yeah, like I love kids. You're fun. And so I got into kids yoga with Rachel. And then a couple of years later, I just started asking the question, where are the people with disabilities? And like you said, um, there just there, there wasn't a lot happening. So this is back in like 2013, 2014. And it just sort of lit this fire in me where I started to explore, you know, how how can we make yoga, you know, the yoga studio, the yoga mat, a place where everybody can come because it seemed possible to me. And that the same things that you and I need from our yoga practice as kids, kids yoga teachers, we know that it's good for kids. And I think, you know, like, it just was like, I think this would be good for a lot of people. So that's, that's sort of started my journey. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, and that's been my, my passion ever since. Yeah. So a lot of people try and, you know, ask, or they ask me, it's like, okay, what are the overarching principles when you're teaching kids yoga and, you know, that type of thing? It's like, okay, this is what you want to keep in mind. Like all the little details will fall into place yeah. because every class and every individual will be unique. And I think that is even more so when you're working with um, individuals who have um, disabilities and delays and all that type of things. So, like, yeah. you know, there's that, that meme that goes around when you've met one person with autism, remember you've met one person with autism. Yeah. <laughs> right? And that's, that's very much the case that I've found when I've worked with um, various populations. It's like, yeah, one person with Down syndrome is one person with Down person syndrome. With Down syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to com yeah. be completely different with every individual. Yeah. Well, when you're thinking of that, what are your overall um, overriding guiding principles when you're teaching individuals with cognitive problems? Well, you know, I think that 
that this would be something that I would say about all kids in general, but um, I, I want to provide an experience that helps them love, helps them fall in love with the practice. And, and I think that this could go for, for kids as well as adults with developmental disabilities is that, that I think it's really important that we leave room for there to be that love match and that when we try to control things and it has to be like this and impose all these rules and barriers around it like you like you might in certain kinds of adult yoga um i think we can lose people and um and and i think that that's unfortunate because i think that everyone should be able to find their way in and these kids don't have the option of like hey i might like a yin class or i might be restorative or I really like power flow like we do you know like we can look at the schedule on the yoga studio and say you know this is what I'm in the mood for or this is what I really like um and you know kids and people with disabilities they just get the yoga class you know <laughs> and so how do we provide options within that that meet people where they're at and and address kind of what their nervous system needs because it might be different because you might really like power yoga but like yin is my thing and we get to have our nervous systems needs met in that way um so it's a challenge but i think i think we have the capacity like i believe in us we can we can rise to the challenge <laughs> Well, and I love that. I love that you're like, yeah, it's going to have to be different. And even what you're offering in the same class, yes, it's going to have to, there's going to there that opportunity for choice and just checking in again and again with people. Like there's so many things to consider. And I, I think that the teachers of these classes have to be really gifted at being able to allow students to own their own practice. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you feel. You do you. Yeah. And be okay with that, right? Instead of everyone is going to do sun salutations exactly the same way. I'm like, well, no, <laughs> that's, not, that's not going to happen today. Well, let's take let's take that for an example and kind of like workshop that a little bit. Like, so say as a teacher, I, I think it's super important for you as a teacher to go in with a plan to teach your students, but use the plan to teach your students. Don't use your students to teach your plan. All right. So let's say I've got let's say I've got um, some salutations on my on my list and some of my students can do the simple kids version sun salutation that's great but let's say i've got some other kids who let's say i've got somebody who doesn't like to stay on their mat who um who needs a lot more of that sensory input like maybe i bring a sunshine face on a stick and i say what you're gonna do you know or here's an option for you is you travel the sun around our circle so while we're doing our sun salutations you take the sun and you're gonna you're gonna make that rotation around us right like the earth goes around the sun you're gonna take the sun around us and then let's say that there's someone else who's got limited mobility and all that the, the, they've they've got maybe is finger wiggling so you know the rays of the sun when we draw the sun it's kind of squiggly why don't you give us the warmth from the sun maybe even with your bright smile and you wiggle your fingers and you fill the room with sunlight. Does that seem like a good idea for you? So then you're, you're teaching the kids who benefit from the traditional 
kids version sun salutation you're giving your your wiggle worm something to do that is also tied into into the sun and then you're taking your person with limited mobility and still making them a part like we're all we're all you know bringing the sunshine right now so that's like those are some things that i would think of off the top of my head i'm looking at sun salutation but i've got these other variant you know in in kind of my my kiddos you know abilities preferences whatever that is how do we create a cohesive whole in our class um that isn't you know i'm a, i'm a big believer in the like corner where you've got your mandalas and your you know breathing ball and all of that like that's a great option but that doesn't have to be our only option you know yes and i love how you're kind of redirecting you're leaning into what people are bringing with their yeah. abilities and their emotional state and their cognitive state. It's like, okay, where are you at? What is what is your natural tendency to do? And can I lean into that and leverage it in a way that is really useful to not just you as an individual, but also to the group? Because it is a group class. Yeah. And so we're all part and parcel here and we're all contributing. And even if you're, you know, you're having a really bad day and you just want to watch the sunshine. Yep. I, I appreciate watching the sunshine. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, and you could even do something fun. Like if somebody said, like, I just want to watch, I would say like, oh, that's awesome. We better put sunscreen on then. If you're just going to lay in the sun today, we better put some sunscreen on. Okay, everybody, let's put our sunscreen on. And so then you're like, you're, you're going with the flow of what the student is saying and then giving them something. And then they can just sit there while everybody else does it because they've got their sunscreen on. Exactly. Exactly. All right. That brings me to one of, I think it's one of my favorite phrases that I heard you say, but you, uh, I've heard you say presence is participation. And I love it. I was just like, oh yeah, because th that's how I feel. I'm like, you show up, you're good. Um, and you get to participate just by showing up on your mat, whatever that might look like. Yeah. And, um, but can you explain how, teachers because sometimes that's a very difficult or that's a very different approach to participation means that you're involved yeah um how do we adjust as teachers to an environment where everyone isn't going to participate in the same way yeah you know i think that it, it's interesting to think about if if you're teaching in a school setting where there is a lot of you know, requested um, compliance, or if you're teaching in a yoga studio or at a camp or something like that. Um, I think, I think that, that, that either way, yoga is something that we are doing that is, it's simultaneously stimulating and calming. And if you have things going on in your body-mind relationship that are already creating, um, kind of a, a higher dialogue or frequency of those things that some of what a neurotypical person might find um, energizing or soothing, like it just, the, the, the um, wavelengths might just be higher. And so some of the things that, that we think are good can be too much for some people with different kinds of, um, you know, I, it's like language sometimes fails, but like people who are, are somewhat different than the typical child. And so, um, so recognizing that, that sometimes not, not doing what you're asking isn't 
unwillingness or not being compliant, it's it's really protecting their own peace. And so sometimes I think people just like to listen. They like to listen to the sound and the rhythm of what's of what's happening. They might want to they might want to watch. They might be having pain in their body that day and and the movement wouldn't feel good. And I think that that as yoga teachers, we are trying to create an awareness for for people to have their body mind relationship um you know cohesive and also to activate that sense of self-empowerment so that we can we can make choices um you know and that's i i'm i'm also really passionate about um you know, trauma-informed yoga, the accessible yoga mindset that that we get to be the boss of our own bodies, right? And and I think that if it's important that if we're teaching children, we're starting to lay the foundation for that. Not like okay, this you have to do what the yoga teacher tells you because that can be problematic when you get older. You know, yes, and, <laughs> it can be problematic and, at any age, but but yes, yeah. If if we are Right. And as you say, the requested compliance, the expected yeah. compliance. And and like you say, they're main they individuals may not have the words to be able to communicate with you what is going on in their experience. So yeah. instead of assuming that it is rebellion or that they're doing it just to piss you off, right. <laughs> it's like, huh, that's interesting. Maybe what's going on there. And how can I work with that? And the other thing is I've had so many students over the years watch. Yep. Just watch. Yep. And then like I'll hear later from a parent or an, an aide or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, they went and did that whole class yep. at home. Or yep. they, 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 I saw them practicing that breath technique later. Yep. And like all that kind of stuff. And so I know my, my, my oldest is a watcher. Yep. And when he was very young, it was very difficult to get him to join into group activities. Like it took forever. I remember paying for swim lessons once and he sat on the side of the pool all mm. you know, seven of the eight weeks. Yeah. And I was just like, you were driving me nuts, <laughs> but he needed to watch. Yep. And then like in the last week, he finally got in the pool and I was like, couldn't you have done that earlier? But that was his learning process. Yeah. Frustrating as all get out for me as a parent, but it was such a beautiful example. Like, you know, looking back, like in the moment, I was just like, well, how can I get this kid in the pool and do all this stuff? And I was like, no, just let him do it at his pace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, he needed to do what he needed to do to feel safe in the environment. And that that very well is probably part of what's going on with your, your watchers and your listeners, too, is that they need to get to a place where they feel safe. Um, and, and, and another thing that what, when you were talking about reminded me that, that if someone is there, they are breathing and breathing is part of the yoga practice and we're breathing together. And I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's understandable because I think our, 
our culture has taught us this way, but we confuse yoga with asana. We confuse yoga with poses. And there's much more to yoga than just poses. Though for some people, that's a really important part of their yoga practice, right? But we do have the breath. We do have the awareness. We do have that that tuning into our our essential nature, right? And so those are things, I think this is important whether you're teaching kids or or people with disabilities or kids with disabilities is is expanding what you think about as yoga. And so like in some of my classes, sometimes poses are a much smaller part of what what we do. We take a lot of time for conversation, like how are you doing? Check in. You know, we would call some of that social emotional learning, but I also think about that as relationship building because if you trust me and you think I care about you because I do, but like if you think I care about you, you are probably going to be more receptive to my suggestions. And, um, you know, and I see a lot of times a win, like if there's a new person in the program, they don't want to do yoga. They don't, you know, like that's not their thing for whatever reason. If I keep trying to build a relationship with them, oftentimes, eventually they come around. I do have one guy, he, um, you know, like he, yoga is not his thing. And, you know, one day I said, you know, Mario, would you like to try, try some, something? And he's like, yoga, no. (laughs) And I said, okay, yoga, no. Like, thank you for letting me know. Um, And like, I honor his, his choice of yoga, no, you know, and, um, and, and that's okay. But we sing a lot of songs. We, um, we have a lot of conversations. I will sometimes read stories or, or books that can broaden a conversation around some of the things that we're learning. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll take time with props uh, and, and do that kind of stuff. We bring in somatic exercises. We call it yoga dancing, where everyone just gets to move and then we take turns leading. Sometimes we'll do some like fitness stuff, uh, jumping jacks or boxing, tai chi moves. And, and all of that is just expanding this idea of or maybe not, maybe not expanding, maybe it's, you know, tapping into what yoga really is, that it's not just poses and that we don't have to, um, we don't have to be slaves to these yoga positions, you know? Yeah. I find that the body sensing yoga, just kind of moving in a way and, you know, and give, you know, I'll give suggestions when I lead that as like, Hey, I don't know, move your arms. Maybe you're in the ways, like maybe you're doing this and maybe your hands go up high. It's like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to throw out, toss out ideas of how you might want to move. And then it's like, Oh, look at Charlie over here. He's doing an amazing job. And (laughs) Julia, that's really clever. I love that. Right. And so like you're, you're, allowing people to find expression in movement and I think you're right I think that is you know really it's not necessarily expanding that but I often will call it yoga outside of the box yeah it's like what's the big the big umbrella of yoga not our little definition of what we think it is right and you can you can even apply that to to traditional yoga poses um you know so like say that you've got someone who is So your plan is to do boat pose, let's say. So the kids that can do boat pose, they can do the boat pose, but then you can say like, all right, well, some of you might want to make a boat with your hands and you can make a little boat with your hands. 
And then someone else might want to make the sound of the of the water or, you know, like, does anybody just want to float in the waves and you can just move your boat? Like all of those can be boat, right? And and some people might be doing Navasana, but everybody can do the boat, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, often, because I, I teach a lot of seniors and um, seniors and little kids. <laughs> oh, so, so teaching seniors and teaching children is very much the same. Right. And as you say, it's all about the relationship. It's all about creating this, this connection, which is yoga. Um, and, and that social connection is a big part of it. And i personally like if you're coming to my class I'm going to ask you questions yeah and uh, some people the typical adult has a really tough time with that <laughs> it takes them a couple <laughs> weeks before they realize that I actually expect answers yeah um but I'm going to ask you questions about how we do it like how, are anybody's thighs burning in this pose like um where are we at this morning uh, or this evening or you know what's going on with you how did that feel and like all that kind of thing. And, uh, and so my classes are very talkative, like definitely more so than, you know, the, the typical yoga teachers classes. And some people don't like that. Like they go to yoga for the silence. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to talk to you. I want to know about you. I want to know who you are and, and what interests you um, and what resonates with you. Um, and I think that's a great approach whenever you're teaching anyone. It's like, come, come be part of something. That's really cool. Well, yeah. And I think I'm thinking, um, you know, if we're talking about adults with disabilities or adults without disabilities or seniors, like so, so many of us that are in that adult age range, we were brought up in a time where our emotions weren't super tolerated. We weren't taught to explore what we're feeling or own what we're feeling. And, and I think sometimes, you know, people will say, how are you? And I'm like, I have no idea. And it's through (laughs) yoga (laughs) that I've been able to kind of understand more of what I'm feeling and accessing that. And I think about that a lot when I'm teaching my adults with developmental disabilities is that so many times their expressions of emotion gets labeled as bad behavior. And um, I recently was watching uh, Brene Brown's new new show, and she said that there are three acceptable emotions for adults, mad, sad, and happy. happy. And, and she's like, but we've got a whole bunch more. And so I think I think I love what you're saying because I think that social emotional learning needs to happen for a lot of us, not just children. Like I think a lot of adults probably have less clues about how they actually feel that isn't that that doesn't need to go into one of those three buckets of mad, sad, or glad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so let's there's a couple of brass tacks kind of really fundamental things. What would be your go-to props that you're just like, okay, I'm teaching a class. I have to make sure I grab that. Um, or, or activities that you would like always work into the framework of your class. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, this is something that I kind of developed over, you know, COVID, I, you know, for a long time, I've used yoga cards, which look like, you know, it's, it's, 
often got a picture or a drawing of a person doing the yoga pose. And, and some of them might have another reference image, but I've started using just like print out color pictures that are full size of actual objects. So I'm holding up a picture of a jellyfish um, for Donna and, and I have, you know, a binder full of these different things. And some of them are, are yoga poses. Um, you know, like I have a picture of the boat, but um, here's one that's an owl that we do for like a spinal twist. We turn, like we, we put our wings on one side and then we turn our head the other side and we say, hoo, hoo. And I have found that having these kind of flashcards versus my yoga flashcards, like they were already following my body shape, but bringing the, um, the actual picture of actual objects or uh, actual creatures has has helped them learn the poses in a way that the the you know marketed yoga cards does not and that it's so easy i go on like canva or PicMonkey and go to the stock photos and i i just print them out and it's been it's been absolutely amazing and so that is something is using a visual reference to be able to add to your physical reference of the posture and your description of what we're doing. So that's one thing. I always have a meditation, like a glitter meditation jar with me because I don't care how old you are. Again, I used to bring these into my senior citizens classes and um, like everyone likes looking at a glitter meditation jar. Um, and um, if you don't know how to make them, there are a million recipes on the internet. They're super easy, but this is something that you can use in your lesson plans. Um, you know, if you're doing something on stars, every, we can do stargazing uh, for St. Patrick's Day, I have a gold one, and this was our pot of gold. Um, but if there's somebody that's having a sad day or a mad day, um, this is something that they can sit with, they can hold, uh, they, you know, it, it is very calming. And I know a lot of classrooms have this in their calm down corner um, where they just, you can shake the glitter jar. So that's something. And, um, oh, I had another thought and it it flew out of my mind. So I might have to come back to that. But those are, those are things that I, I always have. Um, that's that I think are really important that can help help frame the class you know, um, in a way. So, yeah, I love that. And I love that you're using real pictures. I've done that for years. I'm like, you got a printer, you got a laminator, you're good to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And you just put yours. I, if people aren't watching the video, um, Sarah's were just in a, a protective sleeve and yeah. I've done that as well. And so, um, but I, like you say, you have a binder. I have a filing cabinet with all of my lesson plans and all of my sets of card decks yeah. um, that I've printed out over the years of everything to do with the beach. And they're all pictures of things at the beach. Everything to do with, you know, I have a class, um, oh, Canada class, because welcome to Canada. And so it's all animals, Canadian animals and or um, icons in that you would see in Canada. So yeah. like, you know, the tower in Niagara Falls and, you know, like all this kind of stuff, the big tree, like there's, there's all kinds of, you, you get the idea. And so these yeah. are actual pictures. And then we do a pose inspired by the picture. Yeah. And that could, it really opens it up to, I don't know, what, what do you think? Like if you're going to be a beaver, because I don't know about you, but there's no beaver asana. Beaver. 
<laughs> but if you're gonna, a, Canadian, a beaver is a Canadian animal and what would it look like? Right. And it's amazing what people come up with and then you're opening it up to their creativity and their interpretation. Yes. And like, yeah. And, and that is, you know, we're entering the yoga river when we do that because all yoga poses were inspired and made up by somebody. So somebody came along and, and made the shape of what we know as the tree pose, you know, and, and that was them looking at something that inspired them and they made a shape. So why not make a beaver pose? And that, um, I did remember, I remembered what I was thinking before that I, I bring that's not an object. So I think one, the thing that is super important is to have some consistency. So our, our opening and our closings are the same every time. And I think that that just gives us some boundary around our practice. And so that it's not, they, they know what to expect when, when we do our yoga warm up and our head to toe stretches at the beginning. And then we'll, we'll mix it up, whatever the lesson plan is in the end. And then we always do our same, our same closing with a song and we, I, we, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live in peace. And so I think that that is really important to, to create that sense of belonging and like, I am safe here. Um, so that's another thing. Yeah. Routine and ritual. Like it, yeah. it really helps provide framework. And as you say, it's I'm safe. I'm, I know what to expect. I know when class is beginning, cause it's going to sound and look and feel like this. And I know when class is ending, cause it's going to sound and look and feel like that. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and it's this package that you put together and yes, there's lots of variety in the middle, but the packaging that, that routine is so vital yeah. for, for us all to know what and and heaven forbid that we mess with that once it's once it's set it's set (laughs) (laughs) you have to decide yeah and a lot of a lot of um folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities really thrive on routine and um you know like my sister like if you tell her you are picking her up at five o'clock and it is 504 like there's going to be a problem (laughs) you know like if you you said you were coming at five and um and, and so I think that that when we can not become rigid, but when we can, can provide that support, I think that, that that is, again, part of that relationship, part of that knowing, part of that, like, I'm, I see you and I respect you. Um, it also makes you a trust, trustworthy person, right? Yeah. When, when, yeah. You fulfill, when you set expectations and you fulfill them, time after time, then you are a trustworthy person. And again, that all comes back to that safe space. And then only in a safe space, we can actually delve into who we are and what we're feeling and being vulnerable with that and being able to express that. Yeah. And in the same, in the same way, when you try something and they don't like it, like I have, I, I had a picture of a snake and I have a couple of groups that, um, they did not like my snake picture. Like they they do not. and, And so like, Okay. Like, I think wiggling like a snake is a really good way to activate some spinal mobility, but they did not agree with me. And so we took the snake out of the rotation and we can move like a piece of cooked spaghetti instead. And we're getting, we're getting the, the same spinal mobility, but they don't like my snake. So, all right. Snake. Thank you for the feedback. Goes back into the, into the binder. 
Yeah. And thank you for the feedback. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know everything. I, I need the goods and I need the bads and I need to be able to adjust and reflect as a teacher of what's working and what's not. Right. Well, and I think, haven't we all been in a yoga class where, you know, the teacher is, is doing yoga performance and no one in the class can actually do what the teacher's doing. And so then everyone's just kind of standing there feeling like a failure, you know, that, you know, that doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Now you have an upcoming training that looks yeah. absolutely amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Event? Yeah. Thank you. I am um, partnering with Ohm School, Sarah Harrington, and, um, and we are teaching a course that's um, yoga uh, for disabilities and differences in, or yoga and mindfulness in the classroom. And so we are going to be talking a lot about these different strategies that we can use. We'll also be touching on chair yoga um, and, and getting into how do you plan a whole lesson plan with these, with these options kind of baked into them. We'll be talking about different kinds of disabilities that you might encounter and what you might need to know about different kinds of things. Um, We'll be learning uh, different strategies that have worked. We'll talk about some things that, that I've tried that haven't worked. And then we'll even talk about some, some things like anxiety and ADHD, um, some of more of those neurodiverse kind of topics that we are starting to identify more. And then like, how do we support kids like that as well? So um, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. Um, over a couple of weekends so we've got time to metabolize in between and i'm i'm looking forward to partnering with sarah on that yeah she's a very talented lady so it's the sarah and sarah show yes the sarah h and sarah h <laughs> <laughs> fantastic all right using it all <laughs> so where can people find you where can they go to learn more about the event yeah okay so um the registration is on the Omschooled um, web website, which is om-schooled.com, and um, it's also on my website, which is yogaincludesme.com. On under the events tab, you can get to Sarah's website there, and then I am on Instagram and Facebook at Sarah Henderson Yoga. Um, Sarah has an H, and Henderson has an H, so there's two H's there. Um, but um, that's where folks can find me and and. Uh, see what I'm up to in the yoga world. And, um, and I, I'm planning on doing a training in the fall for strictly about adults with developmental disabilities. Um, because I think that that's important. It's not just teaching overgrown children. It's there's, you know, how do we reach adults in a developmentally appropriate way for their adulthood, but also, um, reaching them in a way that connects to the heart. So, um, yeah. Fantastic. Great, because I know a few people who have asked me about um, an adult training for uh, individuals with developmental dis disabilities, and I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> and now I do. And no, so fantastic. You. Thank you. Good. I will. I will send people your way, and uh, and again, continue to sing your praises. Because I think you're just oh, thank you so much, Donna. It's really fun to talk with you. Well. It has been a delight. I appreciate your time, your expertise, and I think most of all, I really appreciate your heart. Oh, thank you so much. I, I, I'm just grateful that I've gotten to chat with you and to share with your listeners.
Well, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for listening and or watching. Um, if this topic has inspired you, if it has connected with you, if you, if somebody has come to mind during our conversation, please share and likes and all those little things. It makes such a huge difference. Um, it, it attracts more people to the to the podcast and gets this message out there that yoga is for everyone and. We as teachers um, can and are happy to, to accommodate and to make it really creative. And we're up to that challenge and uh, we're excited about it. So thank you very much for listening. And until next time, have a great day. Thank you.